there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcast with no name, Conrad. And with me as always, if he doesn't scare you, no evil thing will, it's Anthony James. Conrad, darling! <laughs> Anthony, Anthony James! It doesn't really work. There's not enough, there's not enough syllables in your name to... Uh, to really do the Corella Deville thing. Ah, uh, but I appreciate the rendition nonetheless. I should have actually said, Conrad Darling, my darling, uh, because that's apparently her last name now. So, yes. Conrad, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm all Disneyed up and ready to talk, to hit the town and talk about yeah. uh, talk about their latest offering. How are you? Absolutely fine. You said all Disneyed up. My, my head immediately went to the Simpsons gun. You know, had it set to whore, right? They <laughs> yeah, had a, that is but, a, that's very explicit, that line. I hadn't realised how explicit that was when I was, like, 15. <laughs> yeah, the set word whore. whore. But, in, but in my mind, like, I was thinking about this film, Cruella. We'll get into it, we'll get into it. But I was, yep. I was think, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, just aim a gun at, like, a superhero film and have it set to Disney, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, we'll get there, folks. Uh, but, so, for, you know, for those of you who haven't figured out uh, what we're talking about... This is a movie diary. It's uh, where we talk about all the movies we have seen since the last time we did one of these. And this week, it should come as no surprise that we're going to be discussing the the new hit sensation from Disney, uh, just titled Cruella, because Disney's big on those one-word titles for movies about their bad guys where they hashtag recontextualize their actions uh, <laughs> to, to maybe paint them in a slightly different light. Um, so we're going to talk about that. I've also been watching and i don't apologize for this i'm gonna say this word now i've been watching porn and that's what we're gonna talk about <laughs> oh no it's you... gonna happen well it'll become clear you're gonna have to trust you're gonna have to ride with me on this one folks and trust me when we get that's to it. poor choice of words no i'm gonna i'm just gonna wait yeah and i'll and i'll see i'll see uh I'm much more respectable than that, Conrad. But I'm, I'm, I trust you. I trust that's you. That's not true. We were talking about it Let, only two weeks ago. We you and hey, hey, hey. Oh yeah, I suppose unintentionally disrespectful. Like, yeah, uh, what's not disrespectful? Unintentionally non-respectful, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she did it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> no, I don't mean that's what I mean. I'm not being disrespectful towards anyone, but I'm saying like in general, my own my own tone was unre- unrespectful, non-respectful. You know. Yeah, it was it was perhaps in poor taste, given you didn't realize that China, the wrestler, <laughs> had dabbled in hardcore pornography. I will say this now, just in case anyone's wo- worried. Uh, what it wasn't it wasn't hardcore pornography we're talking about. It's another movie called Deep Murder, <laughs> which is one of the best movies I have seen in years, um, and I'm looking forward to getting into that. Um, but uh, I think uh, that's a that's, okay. That's that's enough faffing around, uh, and it's time for us to talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Movies. We're here to talk about them. You know the deal, and uh, I was going to say you know the game, and we came to play it, um, but I don't want to get sued by Triple H, so we're just going <laughs> to abandon that. There's been, uh, to be honest, I was struggling to find some some decent news earlier in the week. I tried to do this okay. early because I'm a I'm a um <clears throat> I'm a fastidious sort. But then we got some we actually got some cool stuff today. So I don't know if you've actually seen this yet, Anthony, but have you watched that there Eternals trailer yet? Uh I have not. Okay. Uh, but I but I have seen images of the costumes. Yes. Yeah. So the costumes look awesome. Um the trailer came out I think middle of last week. Um mm-hmm. 
I don't really know that much about the Eternals, to be honest. I'm, I'm a bit of a kind of fair weather comic book fan these days. I used to be much more into it than I am now. But I do know uh, Chloe Zhao, um, who is, you know, fresh off um, a Best Picture win for Nomadland. Uh, she wrote and directed that, and she's writing and directing the Eternals. And I'm really mm. interested to see how much freedom Marvel have given her in a kind of post-Avengers landscape to do her own thing um the trailer has like a kind of really interesting tone to it it feels very sort of sweeping and melodramatic and there's a sort of sense of gravitas to it that i didn't really expect um it looks very pretty as well um so i'm really looking forward to this movie now a lot more than black widow or um or the other one shang chi are you are you like kind of planning on seeing either of those two Oh, yeah, I'm going to see them all. You know me, guys. I haven't done my, my Marvel cinema watch-along in a few weeks here, but still on the back burner. Still yeah. on the back burner. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, will be, it will be done. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to see every Marvel film I'll see. Like, to okay. be honest, yeah. um, I'm not sure about Black Widow or Shang-Chi. I, I'm, those might be like my kind of Thor 2s, where I'm just like, eh, I'll leave it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm a bigger fan than you, Conrad. That's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I, I like the idea of like getting it all. Like, so whenever mm-hmm. we get like another really really good one, like the Avengers Endgame or something, I get all the things. You know. Yeah. Um, I yeah, don't like the idea the of going going to see a big one and then like Shang Chi shows up and I'm like, who the hell is this? You know. Yeah, um, I did. I did get a bit of that with um, Infinity War. Is that the first one? Or Captain Endgame? Marvel. No, well, the, the, so the first of the part three of the Avengers War, movies, yeah, yeah where captain marvel showed up and like i know who captain marvel is because uh be- because that was the character when i read the comics but uh, mm-hmm. it was also like i don't know what's going on here <laughs> like why why is captain marvel friends with all the avengers like when did this yeah. happen the yeah, answer obviously you... being in captain marvel the one i didn't see <laughs> well you didn't actually see her beat the shit out of uh, jude law either so oh it's jude law in that movie yeah <laughs> no i didn't see that movie i i that's one of the ones i didn't watch because it just seemed as a child of the 90s like the idea of 90s nostalgia kind of triggered my spidey sense for hating things that are popular and i was like no way you're not gonna get me don't, don't you're not gonna play some nirvana and get this guy on your side all right no i thought it was really good and, and like yeah. and the captain marvel stuff is where they're bringing the scroll into it as well so they're having like all the undercover scroll stuff going on so is that where so okay, I'm gonna I'll 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 spoiler warning this spoiler warning for uh, WandaVision. So at the end of WandaVision, the 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 aliens turn up. Those are scroll, right? They are scroll. They can change into the they can if they see someone they can change to look okay. exactly like them. So um, basically they brought the scroll into there's like there's in the comics I haven't read the comics but there's like scroll invasions and stuff and they yeah. like take they go in and like all of a sudden they're undercover everywhere and that's sort of what it's implying at the end of WandaVision. Yeah. But but yeah, so the scroll uh, are a really cool aspect to the to the cinematic universe, and I assume there's going to be a huge deal with the scroll eventually. And they've been brought in through Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel was really interesting. Like they had they had like this strange war going on between um, can't even remember the name of the people, but Captain Marvel's people who she was raised by, and then also well not raised Wasn't by the Kree was it the Kree yeah the Kree yeah. and the scroll. I always get the scroll and the Kree mixed up. I can never remember which one's which. One of them looks like goblins. That's the that's yeah. all I remember. To be honest with you, it, it was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scroll looked like goblins, kind of. Okay. But it, it was it was one of those aspects in the film where the Kree like had a war against the scroll, and the scroll were vermin, you know, and they were like terrorists and stuff. But as you dig into it, and as Captain Marvel find out found out about it, it actually turned out that the Kree were just like authoritarian, like overlords to the to the to the scroll. Oh, okay. Um, the 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 Kree were they both and, and, sides to the skull the scroll Kree conflict. Yeah, well, the Kree like it, like. 
it was like all the propaganda was around the Kree and everything like this. Uh, and it's one of those um, instances where the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very clearly making a comment on real world things. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you were to start to say like I'm not I'm not even going to do it because I know that I'll get yelled at in the comments possibly not by our listeners but some random person who's listening, I could be yelled at in the comments. So like if I was to say two countries or two sets of people in the world who there are propaganda around which ones are the nice guys. <laughs> If I say that they're showing that in Captain Marvel, then then people will say, "Keep your politics out of my my uh, cinematic universe." <laughs> yeah. It's like, but that's what they're literally doing. You can see it, like yeah. you can see it. If if you think that the scroll aren't too bad and you watch that film, then apply that empathy to the real world. Okay. No politics in films. There've never been politics in films, yeah. and God willing, we'll keep it out forever. <laughs> yeah, like- Citizen Kane had nothing to say about about politics or um or, or or any any kind of social commentary it's just about a man who ran a newspaper badly um and that's the only place about. you can learn history or have a comment on history is is through statues that's yeah. as we know that's that's the only way the only way to have any comment on history is through a statue um okay yeah so the eternals looks pretty cool uh yeah. angelina jolie's i don't know about i haven't seen a film with her in it for a long time oh you haven't so. you haven't seen the Oh, what is that? There's literally a movie out this week starring Angelina Jolie that no one has seen. It's called like "They Were Your Friends" or something. I I, I can't remember the name of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Angelina Jolie to remind myself what the name of that movie is. Um, new those movie. those who wish me dead. Those who wish me dead. That's the one. I was close. <laughs> like, no, I, I've I've never seen it. Uh, no, no one's seen it. That's the problem. Like it's it's an Angelina Jolie movie in 2021. She's not that much of a headline name. With that said, though, I am quite excited about this cast. Like she's, I think she'll be good in it. Like I, I I'm trying yeah. to remember the last thing I saw her in, but she was in like Girl Interrupted earlier in her career when she was actually really good. Uh, so she can she can act. Uh, I blame Billy Bob Thornton for. For derailing, <laughs> derailing her career by making her weird. Um, but I, I, well, the last thing I saw her in, to be honest with you, and the only thing I've seen her in the last like ten years, quite on topic for today, is <clears throat> Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Oh yeah, so I so we'll get to that when we get to it. But um, I've not actually seen that. But I'm sure there are comparisons between Cruella and Maleficent. I mean, Disney definitely thinks there are. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have made this movie. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, you know, Richard Madden. Always, always a fan of Richard Madden. He's great in anything that that that, uh, that I've really seen him in. Um, so yeah, Eternals looks rad. Z- uh, Chloe Zhao, like I am convinced, is going to do a great job with this because she's hot off of one of the most popular movies of the last few years. So we shall see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on from that, Anthony, how do you feel about Indiana Jones? I mean. He's all right. Like he's all, he's yeah. he's a bit of all he's a bit of all right according to me. Shia so, yeah, Shia LaBeouf, you talking? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, what is his name in that? Mutt Mutt something is his <laughs> yes, name. Yes, I don't know what it is. There's something like that. Yeah. Um, I like that dinosaur scene in that movie. I that I I really dislike Indiana Jones four, but there are some good things f- involving Shia LaBeouf in in that. Well, movie. I I like Shia LaBeouf. Like I yeah. I, I I like him. Like I, he, like you know. <laughs> I don't know if it's within me to, to forgive him for what he actually did uh, a few years yep. ago yep. in terms yep. of his in terms of rants and stuff. But yeah. I think that I, I think that he's like out of every any celebrity I've ever seen, he's like 
trying to come to terms with what he what he was like you know what i mean so yeah. i don't know i i like the stuff he's put out anyway him as a person he's a bit of a weirdo yeah, yeah. Like he, he i think he can be relied upon to deliver at, at least a committed performance in most things that he that he makes unfortunately i mean well he's not confirmed for this yet but the the kind of relatively exciting news is that um indiana jones 5 is one of those projects that has been bandied around kind of like a back to the future 4 almost at this point like been bandied Please around people no. like are oh, they going to start it they're not going to start it since 2008 yeah. um since kingdom of the crystal skull came out and everyone's like hey this movie's bad don't make another one but <laughs> as it turns out there are like there have um have been released or leaked i should say um set photographs for this which implies Ooh. very heavily that they are actually starting shooting um yeah. indiana jones 5 now um it's of a ruined castle or a half-built castle so it doesn't tell us that much about what's going on but we do know that james mangold uh, of ford versus ferrari fame most recently and also uh logan he, he directed so he's a very good director i like him um, yeah lamont lamont 66 was the Le Mans uk 66, but- yeah yeah, well, I actually quite liked uh, for a Ford vs Ferrari. Oh, to I did too. I love that movie. Yeah. It was yeah. it was good fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the only thing we know about it is he's directing it, and Harrison Ford is definitely in it. So it's not a full reboot. Um, that's good. Harrison Ford's pretty old, so like, I mean, I he's not going to be doing much. Let's be honest. Apparently, Mads Mikkelsen's in it too. Um, yeah, that's that's rumors. Uh, I think at this stage, but I mean, Mads Mikkelsen, I'll watch him in anything. He's he's great in everything. What I what I hope is that. I don't know about you, like, what I would prefer is, like, to sort of have this fifth one as sort of, like, a send-off to this, and, like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer them to, like, pass the mantle to someone who isn't actually Indiana Jones, but continue the storyline, or would you rather them just, like, do a fifth one, give Harrison Ford another payday, give him another bit of limelight, and then reboot? I, or just, I, I think or just, like, I just never see it, it again? I, yeah, I think... Hmm. I like, I like the, I, I really like the Indiana Jones movies. I think there's, there's more fun that you could have with them, um... But I, I think you just need to reboot the whole thing at this point. Yeah. I, I just don't think Harrison Ford has. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe maybe I'll watch it because I think this one's supposed to be set in the sixties. So maybe I'll watch it and he'll be punching the shit out of commies or whatever. And, Why is he uh, gonna have the the Disney face on to make him look young? Like uh, I don't, yeah, that's that's the worry. Sixties. Yeah, yeah, that's the worry because <laughs> I mean the last one was set in the late fifties, I think, and that was thirteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's, he looks a lot older now though. Yeah, he um, does. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do. I, I mean, uh, it it's hard to see what they're actually doing with this. They, obviously, they haven't actually started shooting yet, or if they have, they're keeping it very quiet. So I don't know what his involvement is going to be. But I think personally, I would prefer them. I like that. I love the theme. I love the character. I think Harrison Ford brings a lot to that character. So I'm skeptical that anyone else could do it justice. I remember yeah. a few years ago uh, being really on board. They're like, oh, Chris Pratt could play Indiana Jones bandwagon. And then <laughs> no, I realized really. like, that Chris Pratt is like a weird fundamentalist Christian. Christian. I was like, yeah. ah, maybe we should not give him as much <laughs> exposure as all that. Um, but uh, so now I don't know if there's anyone who could do it. So actually... 60s so who's who's the bad guy's gonna be is it gonna be the russians it'll definitely the be the russians it has or the hippies or the hippies, the oh, hippies. It could be the, oh that would be a turn if indiana <laughs> jones in his old age becomes really really like anti-free speech or maybe it'll be all embroiled in the space race oh send indiana jones to the moon <laughs> yeah he Ma- takes the place of buzz aldrin like ah <laughs> oh, there we go or the third one that no one can ever remember the name of michael collins so there you go i knew you'd know that the, uh, uh, well, I think I think people who are uh, au fait with Irish history know why I remember his name's Michael Collins. 
I'm not going to touch that. We're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> We're moving on from that to an exciting new feature that has nothing to do with Ireland's troubled past. Uh, and that- actually, before before we do that, uh, let me let me just have a little. Oh, I can no. tell you. I can tell you a little story about uh, the Michael Collins film. Uh, so, uh, what do you call him? De Valera, who's an Irish uh, historical figure as well, was played yeah. by Alan Rickman. Uh, in the film Michael Collins, Liam Neeson yeah. was played played Michael Collins, and uh, one night I, I may have mentioned this on a podcast before that I met Alan Rickman. I definitely oh, okay. put a t- I tweeted about it one time, but I met Alan Rickman, um, and uh, me and my my wife were there, and my and my wife's friend was there too, and we uh, went up to talk to him because he was he was at a play that one of my wife's friends was in, and so we went up to talk to him. But unfortunately, they were serving free wine at this. Uh, at this play, uh, so we were, you know, well lick it up. Uh, the funny thing was, like two months before, my wife had actually seen him and met him in like a foyer of a different play. Yeah. So my wife was like playing it cool, like sitting back, like, "No, you just go talk to him. I've met him before. You just go talk to him." <laughs> so we went, we went and talked to Alan Rickman, and uh, we were like, "All right, Alan, how are you? How are you?" Uh, and then my wife's friend says, "I just want to say, uh, Mr. Rickman, your face is synonymous with GCSE history for me, <laughs> right?" Because they watched oh, the Michael they watched it. <laughs> They watched the Michael Collins film in history class, and then he's like, "You're not Irish, are you?" And we were like, "Oh yes, we are." He's like, "He's like, I thought so, I thought so." And and then the funniest thing was, as we were walking away after saying, saying like annoying him, drunkenly annoying him, walking away, my wife's friend turns to me and goes, "I didn't even do GCSE history." <laughs> I can imagine like Alan Rickman being quite caught off guard by that compliment. Not like I really liked you in Die Hard, but yeah. GCSE history. That's it. That's the that's the extent to which you have impacted this 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 young man's life. Um, yeah. oh, I've not great. seen him in that role. Maybe I should. Maybe yeah. it'd be yeah, a transformative experience. I haven't seen it since GCSE history, so I can't tell you what it's, what it's like. Well. I'll tell you what... Uh, in fact, no, I'm not going to say that because it was going to give too much away. Um, but uh, there, in talking about history, that's a segue. Here we go. I found mm-hmm. it eventually. Talking oh, about history, it leads us quite naturally into, uh, of course, the exciting new game show that all the kids are talking about uh, where I select a movie from 25 years ago today and Anthony tries to guess what that movie is. We are, of course, talking about... Back to the feature! Yes! I'm going yes. for three points today. Going yep. for three. Last week, Anthony did a great job in guessing Dragonheart and got two points to that. The week before, he got one point for guessing... Oh, what was Mission the week Impossible. before? Mission Impossible. Um, so he's on. He's looking for three. He's looking to build on that that good form and, and get himself three. For those of you who have never played the game before, here's how it works. I will read out five clues, which uh, Anthony will have a chance to, um, to, to guess after each one. Each clue he hears will lower the score that he gets. And by all means, please play along at home. Anthony, are you ready for Back to the Future? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Clue number one. This is the only Michael Bay movie thus far to enjoy a release in the Criterion Collection. Interesting. Armageddon. It's not Armageddon. Is that Michael Bay? Armageddon. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's a good shout. I would like to own this movie, uh, the Criterion version of this movie, I will say. <gasps> um, I think I know it. 
Okay. Well, hear the fourth clue, and then you can have your then you can have your guess. Although, although, what I'm gonna, I bet you I'll say something that isn't even a Michael Bay film, and everyone will laugh at me. But <laughs> I mean, it's a bit of a crapshoot in the '90s, to be honest, because everything felt like a Michael Bay film <laughs> yeah, for a little yeah, while yeah. there. Uh, clue number two: Quentin Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin are both uncredited writers who helped punch up the screenplay. Okay, I don't. I, that doesn't help me at all. Um, I do know Aaron Sorkin and his work. Um, he's good. Uh, I believe he what, did he... what did he write that I really liked? Oh, he wrote Social Network, I think. He did, um, yeah. And directed yeah. it, I think. Mm, possibly. Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, okay, so my guess, and this is just based on the Michael Bay still. Um, yeah. It's probably wrong. The Rock. Uh, are you locking in The Rock? Locking I'm the locking, Rock. I'm locking it in. Okay, let's just refer to the computer. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony has done it on the second clue. It is, of course, The Rock. Yes! What a what a, a step up. You, they oh. talk about the big players appearing in the big games, and Anthony has roared into life early in this, oh. in this rendition of Back to the Feature. Oh, a, a phenomenal. That's four points you've got there. I've never seen it. Have you never seen The Rock? It's a very good movie. Um, my, dad, my dad, my dad used to love it. Like, oh, it's a, it is a, like it is a legitimately very good movie. Um, so I'll I'll go through the the final three clues that you would have heard had you needed them, um, and uh, we'll see if these would have made it any clearer. But I mean, oh, you're you're already there. I'm delighted. Abso- oh, it absolutely just pick that one right out of the top drawer um so the third clue would have been uh, this would be the third movie Hans Zimmer scored in 1996 to gross over 100 million dollars after Broken Arrow which made 148 and Twister which made 495 I wouldn't have got a lot of Hans Zimmer score on it but Jesus oh, Christ, it's a great man, that, score it is a great score that man never never stops like no like, like I mean I know that obviously there's more to a movie uh, making a lot of money than the score but bloody hell like you look at his resume for the 90s like yeah you know just achieve like billion dollars that his movies <laughs> yeah. made in 1996. Lion King. He actually did Lion King, you know. Did he do the Lion King? I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, so I guess yeah, they just had like Elton John do the do the title track. The the songs, yeah. He did the songs. Yeah. Uh, Hans Zimmer did the actual score. Now that's um yeah, that's really cool. Um I I don't think I knew that, but that's I kind of see it like with the the ambient ambient music, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, also, I've just checked, and it was David Fincher who directed the Social Network. Please don't, please don't at me. I thought I checked that's that. Right, that's right. I thought I thought I didn't think Aaron Sorkin was the director. To be as soon honest, as I said I, that, I, I wasn't like, gonna, I wasn't gonna call you. Yeah, as soon as I said it, I was like, because I, I get confused because he was like a showrunner on. Uh, I think he was like a West showrunner Wing? for the West Wing and that yeah. newsroom show with mm-hmm. Jeff Daniels. Um, yeah, and a showrunner's kind of like. He's above the directors, yeah. you know what I mean? So he sort of give you this the air of him being in charge. Yeah. Um, so the final two clues, before we move too, too far off, to, off topic, uh, the, the second to last clue would have been the premiere of this movie was held at Alcatraz in San Francisco, where it is predominantly set. And uh, the final clue would have been Sean Connery reportedly accepted yeah. his co-starring position in this movie when he learned that Nicolas Cage had been cast to play the other lead. <laughs> Which I just I like the idea that Sean Connery in 1996, where it's like who's playing the other role, and then, and then, and then, and then they're like, oh, it's Nicolas Cage, Mr. Connery. It's like shine me up, <laughs> like, yeah, shine me up, shine me up. Yeah, like, this is like the two two classic films, two weeks in a row. Big old, big old Sean Connery stood well in '96. Yeah, summer, summer '96 was the the the, the summer, summer of Sean. <laughs> Speaking of Indiana Jones as well, jeez. Like. Oh yeah, like he he was absolutely. I, I, I want to know when um uh Entrapment 
is coming out. That's surely, <laughs> surely around oh, this time. Oh, you know, that was a fantastic film. I tell you what, that laser beam scene. That's all I say. I I have heard. I'm sure, this is probably apocryphal, so maybe I'll get I'll maybe I'll get done for um, slander. But I have heard that Sean Connery insisted upon there being a love scene between him and Catherine Zeta-Jones in that movie, <laughs> which That's... I can one hundred percent believe. That that's really like grey territory, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's really, like... yeah, it's very much like I'm not sure if this technically counts as abusive, but it's definitely not good. Whatever, like whatever it is. Because if Catherine Jones had said no to that, he would have been like, "Get me Nicholas Cage, <laughs> <laughs> put Nicholas in a wig." Um... <laughs> But there we go. That was back to the feature. An absolute romping display from Anthony there. Uh, I, I I will say now. I've I've looked forward in time to where this where we're going in the next few weeks, and there is a tail off. Like we're we're kind of riding high <laughs> in summer blockbuster territory right now, but there's going to be some rough ones in the next, in the next few weeks. All right. But I'll okay. tell you what's not a rough one, and that is 2021's. Oh well, uh, uh, yeah. I'll, yeah tell, are you sure? I'll tell you what's not that rough. <laughs> like, let yeah. me rephrase that. And that's 2021's Cruella, the movie we're all here to talk about, or, or predominantly here to talk about. Anthony and I both watched it. Anthony, let's just get this out of the way early. G- give me a give me a kind of broad thought of what what you what you felt about this movie. Uh broad thought is that it grew on me. Uh, yep. It definitely the second two thirds were far better than the first third. That's my sort of overall. Yes, agree. Um, I will say um, right now that um, we're going to start off kind of avoiding spoilers as much as possible, but there will come a point uh, in the discussion of this movie where we are going to start talking spoilers. So if you, we will announce it. But if you care about not being spoiled, um, there'll be a like we'll 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 point out when we're going to start talking spoilers. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely agree. I think that first third where they're setting up how she gets to london is just a, and then setting up how she and and like how how cruella meets the story is yeah. just clumsy and very very like tr- like i mean i don't expect that much of a sort of typical disney fair but it but it's just there's so much in there that doesn't need to be in there with with her meeting this character who will go go on to be the antagonist of the movie through pure chance and then it turns yeah. out that you know she's responsible for some family drama in her in her past it just it just all feels very very heavily heavy-handed and clumsy to me it felt to me like um a, like tim burton now as <clears> opposed to 30 years ago and maybe that's just because like it was black and white going on that made me think of tim burton but yeah it had it had that definite Tim Burton-y type sort of production design to it at the very beginning, and yeah, I thought that so much when, when you when you put so much into the advertising of a film, Emma Stone is going to play Corella Deville, and to be honest with you, I was quite excited to see her play Corella Deville, and even in the trailer, it got me psyched, uh, you know, psyched to watch it, and then the first twenty minutes, she's not in it, you know, um, yeah, and there's very and there's no one really to carry those first twenty minutes. It's it's the, no, like the, it's terrible terrible setup like we don't need to see Cruella Deville as a child and like yeah. the, the thing the thing is as well like this this might be minor spoilers but it literally is the first like two minutes of the film I don't know about you Conrad but I despise the choice to have Cruella Deville be born with black and white hair yeah it's it's just 
so okay this, this is the weird thing about this movie that i find really odd i think if you took this movie and made it not a cruella Deville movie it would be fine i think it like it tells an interesting story and we'll get to the performances of the emmas stone and thompson in a minute <laughs> who i think are the by far the saving grace of this movie i think those two turn in great performances and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that in a second but i think if you take the sort of bones of this and the performances that they get and the, you know, the kind of presentational elements um from director craig gillespie who um who did uh the fright night remake and i Tonya, both t- two movies that i that i both quite enjoyed i do love um, i Tonya. and 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 you take it and and you remove the constraints of this kind of corella deville marketing it would be a it would be a good movie the problems with it being kind of clumsy and it's in its setup would still be there but i just i i struggle to imagine anyone who's like seeing this child with black and white hair and is like fuck yeah that's Cruella de Vil or like yeah. the, uh, or like you know the bit that the, the, I guess you know we're going to start getting into spoilers now pretty early here guys but you know she gets a <laughs> she gets a car at some point which is a Deville, and she says oh I like that that's my name and are there, are there people out there who are like woo yeah <laughs> like, it's just like I don't I think this they're selling this to an audience that doesn't exist and it just feels like we, Actually, with yeah. like that 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 slavish devotion to these kind of stylistic elements of a character really detracts from from what's otherwise quite a fun movie i thought yeah like to be honest with you like i completely like feel the same way as you in terms of who they sell in this movie too there's moments like there's a, there's a particular moment where they mentioned I can't remember exactly what it was, but they mentioned something that happened in the original film, okay? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, the moment where... There's, okay, so this is not plot spoiler, but there's a dog walking by with an owner, and they, it's a very clear copy of the dog at the start, like, walking by as Pongo is looking out at the, at, at the park, and the dog looks like the owner. And then Horace, the character of Horace, uh, says, you know, do you ever notice that dogs look like their owners? And I just, like, I'm just sitting here thinking... What what like what's going on? Maybe I'm too familiar with the original. Maybe other people who haven't seen the original as much as me. Like, is that for people who've seen the original a lot? Because me as someone who gets the reference, I'm like, what? Why the like? Why the fuck do we need that? Yeah, I, I've I, I've I've seen the other film. Like, I don't need a callback to it. Yeah, and then, absolutely. But, but, then, but then people who haven't seen the other film, they're sitting here th- not even realizing that it's a. Like, are they meant to be? Like, I don't, I don't get who this yeah, is for. That's exactly. I, I think that's exactly the problem. And like, okay, so I'll say, I'll say this now. Full on spoilers. We're gonna go into it. So, like, generally speaking, it was fine. But like, if you if you want to avoid the spoilers, it was fine. Very stylish. I wouldn't expect it to be anything too too impressive. But getting into spoiler territory, I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen 101 Dalmatians since probably since I was a kid. So probably in the in the 90s. The only things that I like, I was looking through my phone, being like, "Okay, Anita." I vaguely remember there being a character called Anita in the first one. Horace Anita. and Jasper. I vaguely remember those being in the original. But it's not like there's no value in that recognition. There's no there's no like no, nothing inherently cool about it. It's not. I, I feel like they're trying to get the same thing out of a Cruella, a Cruella Deville movie as they get out of like a Stinger in a Marvel movie, where everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's Thanos." It's like no yeah, one, yeah, yeah. no one's having that reaction. <laughs> they like no one cares that Anita shows up or Roger shows up in this movie. Roger, uh, Roger. Yeah. Like I, oh my god, Roger, Roger played by phone jacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roger used to the fact that Roger used to be uh, an employee of this of um, Emma Thompson's character. Yeah, the Baroness. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a lawyer. Like I know, maybe in the original film there was there was some sort of allusion to the fact that Roger gave up his career to to do music. But at the same time, I'm like, 
what I preferred whenever it was it was Jeff Daniels and he was a computer games designer. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was just shouting at, at Wizard from his desk. On... <laughs> yeah, the only thing I remember like, about that movie. Like Roger and Anita didn't need to be in the film. The fact that Anita, like I, I, I understand Anita more because obviously Corella has the relationship with Anita, but at the same time, they like well, well done. Who wrote this film? Yeah. Uh, Tommy Ma- T- Tony McNamara, Dana Fox. Yeah, Dana Fox and, and Tony and, McNamara did. Yeah, give give him a wee pat on the back there, Conrad, because you know what? They've taken Corella Deville saying Anita, darling, and you know what they've done? They've made the character's last name. Darling, oh yeah. my god, they are geniuses. Yeah, and and, and so okay, I, so I, I guess what I'll say right now is, <laughs> so this the the uh, very briefly the plot of this movie is that Cruella Deville is a child with a, I guess like a, it's not ever it's never like kind of expressed in medical terms, but she has you know a darker side to her. You know she fights back when the boys bully her at school or whatever, and you know she doesn't like doesn't like boys telling her what to do basically um and there is this kind of like undertone of um of you know like girl power kind of going on in this movie which i don't i don't dislike as a as a as a as a sort of concept i think it's a good thing to have but it's very it's very performative in this movie uh i'm very very i'm critical of that conrad to be honest with you because for me the, the undertone of girl power there right okay I think it's actually now. Come on, guys! I'll, I'll not be the first to say this, and I'm sure you understand. These corporations don't actually have the rights of women at, at yeah, the heart Yeah, exactly. Of their, That's uh, that is the problem. Like, it's kind of like yeah. Disney doesn't give a shit. They just want to make money. Yeah, and the thing about that is why I don't like this sort of girl power thing. Uh, I am woman. Hear me raw. You know, I, like why I don't really, I don't really <clears> like that is be is because she's a bad guy, right? And <laughs> yeah. Corella Deville is a bad guy. Yeah. By actually taking her and making us have empathy for her and making her have a mother who died who wasn't really her mother, and that, you know, by by doing all that, it's like saying that women have to be ha- you have to have empathy for women, you have to feel sorry for women. Uh, it's like no, 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 no. She was a badass bad guy that should have stayed that way. Yeah, and and I think that would that's the more empowering thing to female actors and female characters. Well, yeah, it's just, it's just this very unnecessary idea that you need to expand upon any positive kind of female character that you that you find rather than writing new ones you have to go back and recontextualize the old ones and i think so just to just to briefly finish the setup there's some problems at school they move to london uh corella's mother is knocked off of a cliff by some dalmatians uh, at a like fashion ball um corella flees to london falls in with two thieves uh called horace and jasper there are romantic undertones uh in her relationship with one of them um they she gets a job working like at, like cleaning at a big uh, department store in london where she meets a woman played by emma thompson called the baroness purely by chance who it turns out uh, steals ideas from a bunch of talented fashion uh, designers, one of which Cruella becomes, uh, and also murdered her, murdered her mother. Her, uh, well, murdered her. The person she thought was her mother it turns out Emma Thompson is actually her mother. It's a whole thing. If that sounds like a complicated setup for the movie, you're absolutely right. As Anthony said, the the first twenty minutes of this movie are cumbersome and probably shouldn't be there. Um, I think I don't. I don't want to rag on. I don't want to just incessantly rag on it. So the one thing I I, w- I will yeah. say, and I want to get your opinion on this, Anthony, is that and I, I've I've hinted to uh, uh, hinted at it briefly before, but I think Emma Thompson and Emma Stone are really good in this movie. I think they mm-hmm. they ham it up in a really fun way, and they they seem like they're having fun on set, which 
definitely translates into their performances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, you know, they're, they're almost both playing the same character in yeah, a way. Yeah, like, they very you know, much are, yeah. Like, they're, they're both, like, this really over-the-top, posh, sort of bad bitch kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and, like... Yeah, I, like I, I did, I did enjoy them both, and and like, um, I thought, I thought Emma Thompson did well to sort of disguise herself within the role. Like, she's one of these actresses who is very, you know, I, I know it's Emma Thompson when I'm watching yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she, she did well to disguise herself in the role. I could also see that there was something within Emma Stone's performance where, although M- Emma Thompson was the antagonist, you could always see Cruella sort of aspiring to be her, even yeah. though, <clears throat> even though it, it was her like worst enemy you know yeah and and i think the movie is at its best when basically after emma stone finds out that emma thompson well, once crella or estella as she's actually called at that point in the movie finds mm. out that that uh, the baroness is responsible for um her mother's death it essentially turns into like a revenge movie where she's turning up in these in these like kind of bizarre situations to upstage the baroness's shows and that i think to me that's the best part of the movie is when they're mm. really leaning into the style yeah. really leaning into the aesthetic and it's funny um i i watched uh, the tim burton batman um very recently and it and i joked with you about this before we started recording but it very much put me in mind of like the joker in terms of the the, um, the joaquin phoenix um uh, movie but also in terms of like jack nicholson's joker with like she turns up in like a garbage truck that like dumps yeah. out a bunch of rubbish onto the floor and then she just rises out of it like the fucking penguin <laughs> in batman returns and then drives off and the, the garbage turns into a train of her dress and it very much has that that kind of feel of like gotham is mine <laughs> like you yeah, know yeah. kind of rolls out like a really really cheesy villain um and I really enjoyed that stuff, even if it's kind of very fleeting in its style. Yeah, and like the original reveal of her red dress at the party, the first time she appears as well, yeah. was ruined in the trailer. But at the same time, I really liked that. And that was another allusion to sort of a Batman-esque thing. They were really doing like a Batman villain thing with yeah, her. Yeah, 100%. And, and, uh, and like in The Dark Knight, whenever Heath Ledger's Joker shows up at the dinner party on the top of the... Like Harvey Dent's fundraiser, yeah, and yeah. and he's going and he's going around. Like, you see Bruce Wayne, you seen him, ah, 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 you know, and he's going <laughs> yeah. around like slapping people's glasses out of their hands. That's that kind of reminded me of this as well, you know. Yeah, I, I think my problem with it is that um, in Batman, uh, the Joker done fall into a pit of acid to turn into that. <laughs> where whereas whereas like Estella just decides she's going to be Cruella de Vil and suddenly she's like it's like a, it's like a villain origin story without any kind of inciting incident it's just like one day she's yeah. like I'm going to be Cruella now and and then she starts wa- waltzing around like she's goddamn Tommy Lee Jones playing Two-Face yeah. <laughs> and it's like... I, I, I do agree with you there I, I I feel to me that I did like like if you're going to not call her Cruella from the start I liked where the origin of the name came from yeah I did I did <laughs> like it being like the way her, her mother saying don't let Cruella out you know because she's like estella Corella. it sort of made sense that was, yeah that one wasn't that wasn't too cheesy to me um but i do agree with you like it was it was night and day no pun intended because of the old colors it was night and, it was night and day between her estella turning into cruella and it yeah. was like a light switch it was but at the same time, if you are to believe that this is the type of person she is, where she is playing the role of Cruella, yeah. and she's deciding that from now on I am going to be this role of Cruella, then then I understand that she turns it on. But at the same time, it's making us think that there must be that sort of empathy-demanding character of Estella within the, 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 the crust of 
yeah. Cruella all the time. And I, I, I do, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I do actually feel, maybe it's in Emma Stone's performance, but I did actually feel like she managed to convey that. Um, I think mm. my big problem, and it's kind of what we spoke about when we first started talking about this, is that when you look at where Cruella ends up at the end of this movie, you know, so the Baroness gets rumbled, Cruella is kind of happy. She's avenged her mother's her, her 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 mother's death. She's found out like the truth of her own parentage. She seems to have a kind of budding romantic relationship with one of these people who she's grown up with, and she seems to be in quite a happy place and is like kind of has found equilibrium, I guess. And then trying to sort of navigate from where she is at the end of this movie to which I think is well, we'll get into like setting and like kind of period trappings in a minute. I think so it's something I wanted to, st- to to mention. But where she is at the end of this movie to where she is in 101 Dalmatians, which I think is supposed to be like set a couple of years after this movie, uh, mm-hmm. after this movie takes place, it just doesn't feel like this should be. This almost feels like a soft reboot of 101 Dalmatians because they mention the Dalmatian coat. Um, but she just doesn't seem like the kind of person who's going to go kill like hundreds of dogs to make a coat fundamentally in this movie. Maybe maybe they're leaving room for the next one, you know, maybe there'll be a Cruella yeah, 2. Yeah, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll do a sequel. Don't don't get cruel again. But uh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward uh, to, to a it great, if there if, if great subtitle for that. <laughs> for yeah, that yeah, yeah. I like I would like to see a sequel to this to be honest with you. Um like if they were I don't think it's a soft reboot, but I think you could definitely do more together there. I think like the actual the stage is set like, but not the actual character stage. Like, she's got her mansion. She's got her riches. She's got a car. She's got, she's got, she's the got her. Car. She's got the. She's got the car. She's got the clout within uh, the industry. Mm. Roger doesn't have mm. a job anymore. Yep. And um, he's writing music and, by the end of this he's, movie. He's writing music. So it's they did do a good job of putting the pieces into place. But I don't believe. Yeah, by a character standpoint, like. If they didn't include the stuff about the Dalmatian coat already, and if they didn't have like, just make like. I understand having to have Dalmatians in the film in some way. It's so and, dumb. Uh, it is so dumb. Like I, I understand it. Like having them in there in some way. Having said that, <laughs> there should. If you want to do one of those stupid references where you like drive by a, a garden and there's a Dalmatian barking at her one time, maybe do that. Yeah. Don't have them be like one of the main yeah, antagonists. Yeah, the, the vicious Dalmatians that talk, like tackle her mother off a cliff. It's just yeah. Like- Oh, it turns out it was the Dalmatians that were the villains all along, and we should hate. But what Pongo I don't, what I don't like about that, Conrad, it feels like that's been left in from a previous draft because they didn't actually really play on the idea of her hating Dalmatians. No, not at all. So it's it's like they came up with an idea: what if Dalmatians knocked her mom and killed her mom off the, off the thing, off off the cliff, and then she just like. Just develops this hatred of Dalmatians yeah. and that's why she wants to kill them in the actual film but then they're like ah, that's a cool idea I suppose let's write a draft of that and then like 50 drafts later they've still <laughs> yeah. got the Dalmatians yeah. in there we left the but- pages in guys <laughs> like- <laughs> but there's but there's, there's none of the yeah. animosity towards the dog no they like she literally says I don't want to hurt these dogs when they're trying to get the keys out of the Dalmatian who's eaten them and it's like well why is this why is this a plot point then <laughs> What, like, just, what's going yeah. on? And yeah. like, also, her, like her best mate is a dog. Like, she's got a yeah, dog. She's a dog person. She likes dogs. She has two dogs, in fact. Like, in, in the Hundred One Dimensions film, I think she ca- is she carrying at one point like a little tiny dog. I don't think she Probably. is actually. I don't know. I can't remember. She might be. But anyway, it's it was weird. Like, and I will say another thing, right? Like, they're getting they are getting good at it, but it still is in the phase where I'm thinking, like, why am I watching like a film about Cruella? And there's little CG dogs stand next to her. Oh, like, yeah, they're so bad. The CG dogs, like, what's going on here? Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, they they never look good, and and this they look particularly bad. Um, it's yeah, I I 
I I find I find pretty much all the CG in this movie to be awful, to be honest. Um, one one thing I wanted to very br- briefly stop on before we kind of wrap up Cruella Tour. Um, so this is kind of a period movie. Um, in that you know it's very much like sixties, well, late seventies yeah. London, but it feels to me like they don't. Re- like people who made this either don't know what period they're trying to set it in, or they don't care because in the score we get feeling good which is nina simone from the early 60s then we get a a cover of a led zeppelin song which is from the early 70s then you get stone cold crazy which is queen that's from the late 70s and then you get fucking disco and it's just like what what who is and 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 you get stuff like corella turning up on portobello road wearing like a punk get up and um one of Mm -hmm. and jasper like dyes his hair red and wears like a denim vest at some point and it's just it all feels very hollow. It's just like they're, they're kind of they want the trappings of punk or, yeah. or whatever, but they don't actually want to do any. They don't really want to do anything with it. They just want to have a bit where Corella turns up at a clothes shop on Portobello Road. Yeah, I think there was a direct reference to some punk band with the future on her face, but I can't remember. What oh, maybe punk... I, I don't. I'm not punk enough to know what that's a reference to. Yeah, but... so I think they were trying to do like the rising of the under on the class to become like you know I think they were definitely doing a punk thing. Yeah, it, you're right. You're right. It was a bit heavy handed and a bit sort of out of place in some places. But I did. I, I like the aesthetic of it. Um, yeah, and I like the songs. It's just odd for for the score to be like right now we're doing Nina Simone. Now we're doing Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Now we're doing Queen. Now we're doing Iggy and the Stooges. Like, what genre are you going for here, guys? It's just like Ed, just play a bunch of music from the like from between 1962 and 1978. Yeah, and like to be honest with you, I'm a bit surprised. Like hearing that the, the director of I Tonya made this uh, Gillespie, I really love that film, and I. This this has a lot of lazy aspects to it. This yeah, film, it I'm going to be honest with you, they 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 lean far too heavily on montage in this film. Yes, there's, there's, a there's lot like of eight, there's like eight eight montages in the first forty five minutes. Yeah, it's it just strange. substitute for any get any good dialogue because they don't have any that doesn't directly involve either Emma Stone or Emma Thompson. It's like, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. just montage the rest of these characters out. Um, final thoughts: Mark Strong with hair. How do you feel? <laughs> I actually thought stick him next to a CG dog and he doesn't look too bad. <laughs> I that seeing Mark Strong's character in a flashback with hair shook me to my very core. <laughs> I've never seen I, I, he feels he's one of those people he's like Patrick Stewart. He's just been bald since birth essentially and I I'm not, I don't care to see him with hair frankly. Yeah, I'm also going to say something else pretty uh, controversial. <laughs> and I'm sorry I'm sorry to Mark Strong for this but Mark Strong takes me out of a film. I don't know why. I, 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 because he's just, he's just like so recognizable to yeah. me. Like he's just, I, ca- I can't not view him as I like don't... Mark Strong. I don't know if he's a good actor anymore. Like I, I saw him in. I, I remember that I, the, the movie that made me like fall in love with Mark Strong as an actor was a Ridley Scott movie called Body of Lies, where he plays like a, a basically mm-hmm. a Jordanian head of security who's kind of like a sort of good guy is helping Leonardo DiCaprio find some terrorists or something and he was amazing in that but every other movie i've seen him in since then and i include the kingsman movies in this because those movies are awful i hate them i he, yeah he I, every time i see him i'm like oh that's mark strong <laughs> like it's yeah. not he's never convinced me that he's anything other than mark strong um even in you know critically acclaimed movies like i guess tinker taylor soldier spy or something i do he, love that film i do as well but mark strong in it is just like that's just he, he, yeah, he never convinces me that 
I forgot Mark Strong was in it. If I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I mean he's not Gary, Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, yeah. To be honest with you, Mark Strong probably the the, the the defining feature of his of his career is going to be that he sort of looks like a poor man's Jason Statham. <laughs> oh, there you go. Put that on his IMDb page. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's Cruella, folks. Um, final thoughts, Anthony. Like a, a general kind of gist of whether you'd advise people to go and see it. Well, this is like this has been very negative. Let's be honest with yeah. you. Um, but but I am gonna say I genuinely like the first third did drag and mm. it did. I felt like I was watching something for a, uh, an audience lower than the target market. Uh, the twelve A uh, like sort of twelve plus um, rating it's got doesn't really jive with the first third of the film. Yeah. Having said having said that, it does grow into itself. I like the aesthetic of it. Um, I do like even though the the music is all over the place. I do like some of the moments of music. Yeah. I like Emma Stone and Emma Thompson's performances. Uh, I would like to see Emma Stone as Cruella again. I think. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think you know, I I don't want to give the impression um, that I dislike this movie. I enjoyed it. I think it has some flaws, uh, and I I think it's probably a little bit. I think it overstays its welcome a little bit as well, a little bit too long for what it's actually trying to yeah. do. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's Cruella. That's uh, go check that out if you're in the mood for Disney's version of the Joker. Um, <laughs> now, I promised at the beginning of this show that we were going to talk about porn, and gosh darn it, it's my show, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> There is a movie that I watched this week, and I'm only going to talk about it briefly because I, I, because uh, you haven't seen it, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, to, to drag on too much. <laughs> but there, there is a movie that came out in 2019, I believe, called Deep Murder, which is basically if you take one of those, I think it's called like Skinamax in the US. It's like Channel Five in the UK, and I'm sure most countries in Europe have their own version of it, like kind of softcore pornography. And you take mm-hmm. a set of one of those movies. You take all the kind of archetypal characters. So you've got the dad who doesn't pay attention to his wife or children, who's just constantly making business deals. The wife who is having an affair with the dad's brother. The babysitter who is like it doesn't question the fact that there are no children in the house. The jock. The the like the private detective who's hired to like find a necklace and is going to end up having sex with everyone <laughs> do you take those character archetypes and so they're, they're they're in a porn movie at the beginning um and then suddenly it turns into a slasher movie and they have to figure out why they're being killed and also you work within their character archetypes to try like, and try and break out of their character archetypes to understand <laughs> how to survive this um it has oh a 4.2 rating on IMDb, which tells me that no one on IMDb has a fucking clue what they're talking about, because this movie is amazing. It's so funny. Um, the opening montage is... You know how in, like, softcore porn films, they, they do, like, the kind of sounds and, and, like, kind of performative elements of sex, but they never actually, like, take their underwear... <laughs> yeah. like, maybe the woman will yeah. take her top off, but they'll never take their underwear off. And the opening montage is, like, ten minutes of... of um, oh, what is his name? Jerry O'Connell, like, grinding against the mother figure in this house while they're talking, like, really pervertedly about sex, but they're clearly not doing anything. And they're all... It's basically all the kind of preamble for sex scenes. Um... And 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 um, and then it just goes straight into uh, well, it's Jerry O'Connell's character who is the first to die, and everyone freaks out. And as soon as Jerry O'Connell's character dies, the nerd character um, 
it suggests putting the blood back into him and uh the jock the jock <laughs> character played by um i've got his name here because i didn't actually know him before it is uh chris red who absolutely steals the show in this says that's where <laughs> blood lives and it, <laughs> it just goes off from there it's very much in like it puts me in mind of like garth Mar- i've not seen it but garth Marenghi's dark place where it's knowingly bad and it's but not in the same way as something like sharknado where it's kind of winking at the camera too much like this plays it very straight um okay so there is um there is one of the funniest scenes i have seen in a film in i'm gonna say like 10 years here where the private the private eye played by uh, josh mcgolan who's one of the writers and chris red's jace who is constantly like dropping different sports that he plays because he, he just plays all sports <laughs> are talking about the murder and they're like playing catch over a dining room table but they're every time they're throwing the ball they're just spiking it down into this fully dressed kitchen table and just sending <laughs> dishes flying everywhere and no one is mentioning it and it's so funny and it goes on it's one of those things that's really funny for the first like 30 seconds and then stops being funny and then it just keeps going and becomes so funny again um it has character names in it like bunny van clit and hugh dangler which are just that, uh, yes that's what i was gonna stop you and say go on I honestly thought Christopher Christopher McDonald would never top the character name of Shooter McGavin. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Christopher McDonald, you can guess which character he plays. Yes, that's right. He's the dad who's constantly on the phone to Japan making business deals. And yeah, like Shooter McGavin is a good name, but it's no Hugh Dangler. No, no Hugh Dangler's the son. Oh, I'm Hugh Dangler's his here. son, that's right. His yeah. name is Richard Dangler, yeah, Richard which Dangler. is Dick Dangler. Dick Dangler. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, he is so funny in this movie as well. Like he's, His wife is so obviously cheating on him and he just doesn't notice anything because he's constantly making deals with Japan. Um, and, you know, his wife is murdered with a, a dildo to the back of the head um, that literally goes through her mouth. It's... I, I really cannot recommend it enough. This movie is so funny. And it has, I'm going to say this now, the best fake... They don't even say what sport it is, but the best fake sports team name I've ever heard, uh, where Quinn Beswick, who is uh, also one of the writers on this movie, um, he, he plays the nerd character, and he says that when he grows up, he wants to play for the Monterey Jambos, which is <laughs> it's so good. I, the, I wish the Monterey Jambos was a real team, because <laughs> uh, it is so, so funny, and I really... I just... I had to mention this because if you get an opportunity to watch it, please go and see it. It's one of the funniest movies I've seen in years. And it has four rate, four reviews from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.2 on IMDb. I don't know why more people haven't seen this because it is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's well worth checking out. Um, but I think that's going to quite naturally bring us to uh, the end of this week's show, which leaves us with only one simple question to answer, as we always do, and that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Like, I don't know. It has to be Deep Murder now. Like, Yeah. <laughs> my, my, mine is Deep it. Murder too. I'm, it is... Oh, my God. I, I need to go watch this movie again. My, I was watching it with my partner, uh, who has a different sense of humour to me, I'm going to say, and she was just sitting there staring at me as I was cackling with laughter <laughs> at various scenes of this movie. <laughs> There's a bit what? where they go into a shower and they get lost and it shoots the interior of the shower and there's steam everywhere and they're all kind of like, oh, I can't see anything. And then it cuts to the exterior of the shower and they're stood right next to each other just like... <laughs> 
it's so so funny um yes deep murder for me as well um please join us next week for another one of these another movie diary um thank you to nancy wyatt and jared iscariot for the use of our theme song uh, you can check out links to their stuff down in the thing below and uh, thank you to you for listening please consider subscribing we're the culture cave on youtube and we're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps uh give the show a like get involved in the comments let us know what you've been watching and we will see 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 you we will see you same time same place next week and cut <laughs>